Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. Each episode features a discussion of current topics, from the latest consumer trends and new products, to shifts in markets and lifestyles. I'm Andrew McDougall, Director of Beauty and Personal Care Insights at Mintel. And today, I'm delighted to actually be discussing Mintel's food and drink trends for 2023 that are freshly launching. And I'm really excited as well to be joined by a merry band of brilliant minds from our global MFD team. Uh, some voices that you may well recognize and have spoken to yourselves. Uh, today, we have uh, Jenny Zegler uh, joining us from our Chicago office. So welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Happy to be here. Very happy to have you. Very happy to have you. We're also joined as well uh, by my esteemed colleague, David Faulkner as well. So welcome, David, to the podcast. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, I also have top bod uh, Aisha Kienekin joining us as well, who's a bit of a, a podcast uh, sort of uh, sort of veteran now. So uh, I'm always happy to have you on the, the podcast, Aisha. So welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. And a last hello, and definitely not the least hello to a uh, good friend, Alex Beckett as well. So welcome to the pod, Alex. Hi, Andy. Thank you very much. A lot to get through today uh, and a lot of people to talk to about that. So the less from me and more to you is probably the best. Uh, now, I know you all have, along with your teams around the world, have sort of come up with eight trends for the 2023 food and drink space. I really do just want to hand over to your capable hands to give us an insight, maybe of a couple of the key trends that are impacting the food and drink market and maybe the drivers behind these trends. Thanks, Andrew. Um, We're really excited to share these new eight trends for 2023. Um, We've really linked these to obviously the harsh realities many of us are unfortunately facing from the conflict with Ukraine and Russia um, to the cost of living crisis to the climate crisis. And with each of these, we've really seen some huge implications for three of Mintel's trend drivers. So um, three of the trends are grouped under the value trend driver linking to that cost of living crisis. Um, And then we have three trends for experiences because even though we're dealing with a lot of crises, we still need to have fun and kind of break free and enjoy ourselves. Um, And then lastly, two of the trends are linked to surroundings because those are really heavily connected to the climate crisis. Um, One of those is worth of water, um, which has to do with the rising awareness of responsible water use by both uh, consumers as well as companies. And with that in mind, then, where do these drivers take us? How do we form those trends? And what are sort of those key drivers that you are now sort of linking to sort of one or two of these sort of um, sort of the, the eight trends that we're looking at today? Yeah, there's a lot that goes into each of these. Obviously, with food and drink, we can't ignore well-being, which is another one of our trend drivers. But we really felt that the need for helping consumers get through yet another couple of years after a couple of years of crises and having to deal with even more that value is a really key trend um, and experiences really and then we can't ignore the reality of needing to adapt to even harsher environmental crises and the climate crises and so that's where surroundings really comes in as well so i wanted to on this sort of notion of crises and where we're at the, obviously the cost of living crisis uh looking at where consumers are sort of where, where their biggest worries are i'm really fascinated i wanted to touch upon i know we've got a couple of trends that we'll get into in a moment i wanted to just touch upon um a couple of the trends that we have seen though uh, with regards to this worth of water trend because you've mentioned um about the surroundings uh, thinking about sustainability and in in the beauty space we've uh looked looked at water as well as this sort of uh this really scarce resource that we need to sort of 
be utilizing much better. So I'd be really interested to know a little bit more about sort of the, the worth of water trend that we have. Uh, and also, I'd also want to uh, massively come to the, another key one, again, before we get into the meat of this. I also really want to take a trip into space with Alex um, to talk about cosmic <laughs> comforts. But I don't know which one, which one of those you want to talk about first. Uh, but I was really intrigued uh, by both of those. Cool. Yeah, thanks, Andy. So um, if I may, I'll, I'll talk briefly about the worth of water, which is taken from a George Washington quote, uh, fact fans. Um, but yeah, so this worth of water trend basically explores how in the not so distant future, we believe that consumers will want more reassurance about responsible use of water, and therefore it will become water stewardship and uh, will become a bigger priority for our food and drink companies and clients. So we know already now that consumers are concerned about water shortages. The the stats on this are astounding, just how many people in, in very developed countries are fearful of the quality and safety of their tap water. We know that consumers are concerned about the quality of tap water, but they're also increasingly concerned about companies' mismanagement of the water sources. Obviously, we've seen droughts across the world this year, you know, I think we're still in a drought here in the UK. Um, so what we're going to do with this trend is we're going to look at food innovation, which requires hydrating, like you're saying, Andy, about following on from what we've seen in BPC, where you add the water to, to make the, the product edible. Um, we explore how food and drink can manage consumer concerns about water security, the kind of messaging that's required, transparency, and also the retail opportunities for drought-tolerant grains. And this is a fascinating area which has really come under the microscope, uh, not least because of the droughts we've experienced. A lot of these grains, fascinatingly, coming from Africa, ancient grains like fonio, millet. Um, and you know, we think that necessity basically will reduce the barriers to using upcycled water as an ingredient um, so, you know, desalinated water is already being sold by Nestle in the Middle East. And, you know, you can bet your bottom dollar that this desalinated water will, in the not too distant future, receive the flavors, the functions that we see now with regular bottled water. Um, so, yeah, worth of water is, is we've obviously looked at sustainability and the climate crisis a lot with Mintel, but we're really putting the microscope on, on water here. Yeah, I find it kind of fascinating as well the way where you talk about that because water is always something that I think in developed countries you kind of take for granted. You just always think water's there. But as you say, um, in developed countries, we have seen water droughts uh, come through. And again, that, that's um, overlooking obviously vast parts of the world where water isn't in abundance as much. So it's really fascinating when you think about this sort of this, it almost seems like a basic human need for water, but yeah. this actual crisis now is yeah. essentially going to affect all consumers in this way then going forward. This is it. And and the, what's really cutting through, cutting through is that consumers are seeing and tasting firsthand this water crisis because the water supply pipeline infrastructures across Europe, across the US, are too old and they're crumbling, they're decaying, in which case what we're seeing is contamination of the waters. And that's why we're seeing that the taste of tap water uh, is, is being spoiled in, in countries you'd be surprised about, you know, because you regard them as a developed country. Um, so that is all, that's kind of, that's what I mean, you know, consumers are, are seeing firsthand and tasting this, the climate crisis 
is is affecting the flavour of water from there in kitchens. It's astounding. And do you think this focus on water is going to help um, sort of bring up uh, like the, the the sort of the, the less developed countries as well, just in terms of with all the focus now on things like products that can be used with minimal water or that potentially use uh, alternate resources of water as well? Does that help? I mean, as I say, we are speaking um, from maybe that, that privileged uh, idea of sort of developed countries, but actually thinking mm. of other countries as well. Is that something that is going to be factored into this, 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 this trend concept as well? Is that something that we're going to see those markets impacted by too? I think it's also those are markets where this is leading. You know, they are developing and innovating by necessity and are forced to have done this, unfortunately, by, you know, their actual surroundings. And so in that case, we can look to those markets for the inspiration to bring to the developed markets that are just waking up to this because of the municipal difficulties and drought that are now creeping into those developed countries. I mean, this is a really fascinating drive. I find it a really fascinating thing to have this key focus on. So I'm very interested um, to, to find out more about this. As I say, I know because having looked at water scarcity in the last couple of years and we're looking at sort of plant-based waters and where else we can get different water sources from and things like um, like yeah, sort of freeze-dried products and different sort of products that you can that you use much less water and then you just add water to them. And then when I think of that, some of the key innovations that I've seen in that space is a little bit out there, but is then thinking of how sort of household cleaning products or how um, sort of personal care shampoos and, and washing products are actually used in space. Because obviously when astronauts go up, again, it's this idea that there's obviously supreme water scarcity. You can see the segue that I've made here um, oh, to now smooth. talk about cosmic comforts. Uh, no, not to, not to sort of say I want to move on from the water trend at all, because I do find that fascinating. Um, I am just obviously aware of time as well. Yeah. Uh, but I also also just wanted to then take a trip into talking about the cosmic comforts trend as well because that is something that as i say it does seem a bit out there it seems a bit gimmicky um but i'm hoping you can tell me a little bit more that grounds me a little bit as well yeah yeah well this it's, it's interesting you know like our eight train trends are generally weighted to the now the serious the cost of living and sustainable issues but um when we were coming up with them in our global teams we recognized the need to think disruptively think creatively and offer new positive opportunities that are grounded in reality. Um, and one of the trends is, yeah, cosmic comforts. And it is about space travel. But um, while it focuses on space travel, its repercussions are completely grounded on Earth. So the big indicators are, the reality is we've got this new space race that's happening right now between uh, so many countries around the world, the US leading it, China, India, spending billions of dollars, driven by economic growth. NASA plans to have humans on the moon in 2024. Okay, so next month it's sending out the Artemis space rocket, which is, uh, is going to kickstart that. Um, and it's opened up commercial opportunities to companies to participate. So NASA, space travel in the past, since 19, 1960s, you know, it's, it's created these opportunities and innovation inspiration for, for the private, for, for companies. Um, these space missions, the more we see of them, the more headline news they make, the more impressions they're going to make on consumers over the coming years. Don't forget, we've got Jeff Bezos, we've got Virgin Galactic sending people up into space for space tourism. They're building these space shuttles now in the Arizona desert to take people up there over the coming years, okay? So as we learn more about this, space will generally feel 
less distant and less unreachable to us. So instead, it will be more of a destination for uh, discovery um, and a place to display the wonders of technology, what we can achieve right now. Why that's crucial, Andy, is because at the same time this is happening, unfortunately, it's looking like Earth, we will be enduring worsening the worsening climate crisis. And when we struggle with the droughts, the fires, the floods, it's only natural that people will look to something more comforting. And that will include the stars above. Um, there's a killer quote from the uh, Christopher Nolan film, Interstellar, which sums up this trend um, from Matthew McConaughey. And he says, we used to look up at the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. And it's Gen Z, who so many clients are asking us about everything about Gen Generation Z. Um, they are particularly and rightfully aggrieved about the planet that they're inheriting. And they will regard space as something of a dream destination, a symbol of hope, and somewhere that their ancestors haven't ruined yet. Um, so... You've already seen, so Coca-Cola chose, in, in its words, the magic and mystery of the cosmos to kickstart its huge creations innovation hub with its limited edition Starlight drink. Why this cuts through and why this resonates is because it's tapping into the sense of discovery. That's the key word with this, which consumers are so passionate about now. So that's all going on above. We think, I think, you know, that's, it, it does have practical, actionable opportunities for food and drink. Um, space will represent something more than whimsy and fun alien flying saucer-shaped products. It's going to represent a more profound symbol of escapism. We're going to see more flavors uh, that have been created on a scientific basis because they work in zero gravity. Um, space is going to be more of a test kitchen for our evolving needs on Earth. And, you know, we spoke about water and desalinated water and the droughts. Well, Andrew McDougall, do you know how you source water when, when you're up in the International Space Station? I have an idea. I have an idea, but I don't want to say on the podcast, so I'm going to let you say it. Okay, I'll say it. It's, it's distilled sweat and urine. That's what I thought. Um, <laughs> and this, these are the technologies, not least that, but the, the growing uh completely nutritional protein sources um, in space on the moon. There's so many innovations which NASA is investing in right now, which we will increasingly need here on Earth. Again, that kind of links to what we're talking about with the, with the water trend as well. It's, it's sort of it's interesting to see how those two do connect because, yeah, as you say, like when, when it comes to space travel, it sometimes does seem a bit gimmicky, like there can be a little marketing gimmick it's, to talk about yeah. space, things like that. But actually, it's very interesting because uh, you, you mentioned, obviously, NASA's research, but obviously, even not having to actually go to space, but surely if there's an element that we can recreate the space conditions that we're aware of, we could potentially grow plant extracts or in, you know biotech extracts in lab, whether this is yeah. hydroponics and aeroponics, that we could then utilize in the food and drink space. Would that be right? Or is that there are so many more, as you say, more, so many more tangible things that maybe quite, aren't quite as appealing as, you know, meeting C3PO on a different planet. However, it is actually that we can we can actually use that, that data, that information, and NASA already is doing this. 
and China's doing this, you know, it's national prestige and the sheer amount of investment that is going behind into this new space race. Um, Earth is ever more mimicking the conditions we see on the arid moon, Mars. We urban farms, uh, greenhouse technology, that's what will be replicated on Mars and on the moon. And we know we're at a very base stage of, of urban farming, vertical farming here. So it makes sense that we will increasingly get innovation inspiration from what's, what's happening out there. But it's that, it's that spiritual element as well that I think is so fascinating, especially for younger consumers. Now, these kids are learning about space more. Um, it, it's much more tangible. It's much more real for them. And it will also fill this spiritual gap, the mystery of it, the vastness of it. We know, just completely got a different subject, but established religion is on the wane. Yet young people are fascinated by astrology, zodiac. Um, it has all kinds of repercussions. You know, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And I love being able to speak about this kind of topic um, with all of you. But I love being able to speak about this topic rather than it being sort of followed by a smirk or thinking, hey, it's quite fun to talk about space. But actually seeing, as you say, those tangible benefits, those tangible gains that we can make. Uh, and it's interesting that you bring in things around the Zodiac and uh, you mentioned about escapism earlier as well, because that leads me nicely then into some of the other trends that you have. And I, I kind of want to uh, maybe bring David into the conversation a little bit now, um, because I know that um, when we are thinking of escapism and, and stresses and mental health and things like that, I know that one of our other um, food and drink trends that we'll be launching uh, for next year is also focusing on how to optimize that mental performance, whether we are at work or at home or play. Um, so is, is that, am I right in saying, is that uh, sort of the basis of a lot of what you're doing in the, with the staying sharp trend, David? Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's all about, as we've said, all, all the stress and with COVID and lockdowns and global uncertainties, those sorts of things. And I think everybody needs a bit of help in their everyday lives. And I think there's a big opportunity for food and drink the, the things that we could drink and, and eat uh, to help us with that. I'm not necessarily though, talking thinking about food as medicine, though. It's all about balancing our everyday diets to try and optimise mental performance across everyday lives, at home, at work, or even at play as well. I think there's opportunities for everybody from the soccer player to the, the gamer to you know, stay on the game. Um, our research says that around, for example, about 30% of German and Italian consumers would like to see their diet improve their mood, maybe to help them relax or sharpen the concentration. And it is, it's about everyday products as well, um, ones we already consume. Um, for example, millions of cups of coffee are drunk around the world every single day because we value the energy boost, but there can be concerns about other health impacts. So lower caffeine coffees, for example, um, can communicate the sustained energy that you get from coffee, but without the, the jitters that are associated with over-caffeination. We're seeing a lot more of those products appearing uh, around the world at the moment. There's a UK startup called Cafe Libre that's offering both quarter and half caffeine products. And there's also another product in the United States, Buzz Light, which I think is 10% coffee, uh, caffeine in the coffee. And um, we're also seeing the launch of products delivering caffeine from other sources as well. Um, the Yorpen holly plant, which is native to the US, that contains 30% less caffeine than coffee. And also the additional benefit of being able to flourish in extreme weather situations. So it could be the go-to go caffeine source in the era of uh, global warming. 
But there's also opportunities to drive health and vitality messages on more mainstream ingredients like fruit and veg as well. Uh, whilst obviously that you've got to be aware of regulatory compliance, but producers could be missing opportunities to talk about a whole plethora of holistic benefits in fruit and veg. Um, and also looking forward, looking at the new research that we have at the moment about the gut brain access to say how, how much the, uh, the quality and, and the, the health of the gut helps the health of the mind as well. That's going to create opportunities to highlight how digestive health benefits of things like pro and pre and postbiotics can support cognitive health. And that gives things like, like um, fiber rich foods, such as produce, even uh, to. Um, and the potential to, sh to shine. So, for example, in New Zealand, uh, retailer Countdown claims on their frozen broccoli and cauliflower that uh, it's a good source of fiber for healthy digestion and also a good source of folate, which is one of the other uh, things in there, to reduce tiredness and fatigue. And um, in 2018, the uh, UK's Scientific Advisory Commission on, Nutri on Nutrition actually issued a position statement which said there's some observational evidence that a greater adherence to the Mediterranean diet may be associated with a reduced risk of mental cognitive impairment and even even dementia. So, you know, something, so something as simple or as easy to do as, as being on the Mediterranean diet may give you an opportunity to improve your mental health long term. This is really fascinating because there's so many, I mean, I can't be the only person, I'm hoping not, um, who sort of will follow different diets. You know, you're always trying to think about sort of fad diets and things like that. It's fascinating to sort of, um, this trend is fascinating in particular, as you say, because a consumer is going to understand more about their bodies in terms of, well, actually, I can now understand that by eating a higher fiber diet or if I already have a caffeine rich diet, they're going to, are they going to, obviously, I'm not saying people are going to become experts or scientists, but it's interesting to see consumers potentially more involved or active in knowing what works for them. I also feel this short is this, this is something that's going to be impacted even more relevantly now because post lockdown in again depending on which market in the world you're in um, but for most uh, markets around the world where well, we have been in a lockdown and the working space has changed so we are going through fluid or flexible working environments working from home more is that something again that is going to be impacting and accelerating this trend going forward as well I think so, but I think it's it's the way things are positioned. I think it's it's all about simple, understandable solutions. I mean, there's there's you know there's loads of science out there, and there's ingredients like um, sort of adaptogens and nootropics and those sorts of things that that that. that claim to be able to help you and clearly there's a place for those as well uh, but there's regulatory approval of the claims has to be there uh, it's uncommon at the moment um, and brands have got to be transparent about that um, educate consumers with accurate evidence-based information I, want, I wonder if we were going to step into this regulatory minefield now where claims are just going to have to be scrutinised so much more because we're going to start to see a lot more of these types of claims being made I think we will I think, I think we will I think you know, there, there, there are strict rules and regulations which is which is right, which is fair, um, but there, as I say, there's opportunities to to with things that people, let's say, like the cauliflower and the broccoli, products that we know and love and eat on a regular basis, to make claims for, on them of the benefits of them. So it's, you don't necessarily need to go into a shop and buy something with an adaptogen in it specifically, but basically. M moderate your diet, understand what you're eating, and understand the benefits that come from simple foods. 
um, Andrew, as you mentioned, like people trying out different diets and the things that we've gone through in the past couple of years, I think there is more of an awareness of when you feel better and when you can feel that focus. So in some cases, something like adding more fiber rich, you know, cauliflower and <laughs> broccoli to your diet and recognizing that that helps you actually do better and focus better could kind of even eliminate and kind of go around some of these claims that you have to make on pack because consumers just recognize that when they maybe cut this out of their diet or when they specifically follow a Mediterranean diet, they feel better, they can focus better, maybe they're less reliant on the caffeine or the adaptogens if they've gone into that area. And that really helps connect consumers to this is the benefit I need to get through that day or be able to focus if I'm going back to the office versus my perfectly controlled home office environment. And it's all in a way that's financially affordable as well. Yeah. So it's not as if you're having to buy, you know, supplements and those sorts of things. It's using basic ingredients that uh, everyday things in the shops. It's fascinating because, as I say, it's much more than just obviously it's debate meeting a basic food need of, of nutrition. Obviously, that is very important. Uh, but it's also I just love this connection with how it makes us feel and sort of different, like whether it's different diets or just the way we we live. Um, I'm, I'm always fascinated by how emotion and how important emotion and the mental side of things is. Um, particularly for most consumer goods, but in food is in particular as well, because we know there's something physical happening as well as something mental. Uh, and it's at this point as well um, that I'd like to bring in Aisha, because I know that um, on the flip side, although uh, staying sharp and looking at mental performance, a big part of that is also enjoyment, right? Comfort, like seeking comfort with food. And again, I'm hopefully not the only one who likes a, a guilty pleasure every so often, which is why I love the fact that one of your trends is unguilty pleasures. So please, I'm hoping you're now going to tell me that I can eat as much chocolate as I want. Um, but no, Aisha, more so away from the jokes, but more so this this idea around sort of uh, the comfort of food, being overwhelmed by all these crises that we've talked about, sort of impacting us in different ways. Food can actually just be that very simple escape. Definitely, definitely can. And yeah, I'm glad you tapped into the whole, the play on the word there, unguilty pleasure, because one of the things I think brands need to do going forward is be a bit more empathetic with consumers. Um, so when we refer to things as being a guilty pleasure or something naughty, that element of guilt does play obviously in the mind of consumers. Um, and we know from our research that actually feeling guilty about your food and drink choices reduces the amount of enjoyment you get. So in Italy, for example, about 50% of consumers say, you know, if, if I feel guilty about it, I don't enjoy it as much. And at a time when everybody is stressed, um, I just think we need to be a bit more savvy about, you know what, you deserve this bit of joy, this bit of pleasure, and you deserve this little bit of emotional respite. So food and drink has a really important role to play there. Um, and for me, what's interesting about this trend, we, we split the trends into kind of what's happening right now, how it's playing out right now, what's going to be next, and also a bit of a forecast about the future. And right now, it's stuff that we, we've been speaking about for a long time. So if we think about pleasure and food and drink, we're seeing a lot around in-home um eating experiences of course because there are a lot more in-home eating um, occasions on the back of the pandemic and now we've got the kind of financial crisis going on as well so eating in home is much more um, advantageous financially, financially for people so we're seeing a lot around bringing restaurant quality food into the home we're seeing a lot of brands playing with colour and aroma and texture to try and enhance that in-home experience but the most interesting bit that that you know we've been thinking about is what's next 
um, and how is this going to evolve? And for me, it's all about indulgence doesn't just mean the cheesiest pizza or, you know, the creamiest ice cream. Actually, indulgence can mean that moment of, of me time, that moment of, you know, self-care. And you'll know, Andrew, as a beauty expert, self-care um, routine to something that's really been growing. Um, we have seen stats around, especially younger consumers in times of stress, they're turning to the routine of, you know, beauty routines or self-care routines as a way of handling that stress. And there's a real opportunity for food and drink players to kind of jump on that bandwagon and try and embed themselves into that moment of self-care, into that routine. Um, and we've seen some brands that are already doing that. A really great example comes from Japan, the Morinaga bathhouse um, brand. So they've got this bathhouse chocolate and it's said to be tasty when you chill it and then you eat it after a bath. So hopefully for most people, a bath is kind of a daily routine. Um, and so you're, you're suggesting that your product therefore is almost, you know, for daily consumption and you're suggesting a new eating occasion, which is quite clever. Um, another really good example, we've spoken a bit about coffee, but this, I really like this one. So some beauty brand, um, Holly Dermy, so they are tapping into really clever. They're tapping into both the routine of coffee. Um, consumption or coffee brewing and also beauty routine as well. So they have these Nespresso um, compatible, Nespresso machine compatible um, coffee capsules, which have collagen, so beauty benefits. So you're getting kind of double the routine there. Um, and I just think this is an interesting area that more food and drink brands should, should think about. How do you ex extend the kind of multi-sensory experience of self-care into the taste realm? It's interesting, actually, that that crossover routine concept of rather than having, oh, this is just my, my daily eating habits and this is my daily beauty routine. It's like, no, actually, those two things can combine. I'm hoping that Japanese chocolate can work after a shower for those of us that <laughs> maybe don't bathe every day, but hopefully shower every day. I would hope that that... As long as you do something different. every day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I do like, I like this idea. And again, to bring it to sort of where I'm comfortable in the beauty space. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we obviously during recession, obviously with the cost of living crisis, we had that where everyone's possibly uh, aware of that, the famous lipstick index, this idea of having this sort of affordable luxury, this affordable indulgence that you could go down. Do you think food could very much play in that space then with regards to cost of living, this idea that it's, if I can get my inexpensive little pleasures here and there, is that something that we will, we will see have a big impact as well on sort of emotional state? Definitely. I think food and drink has always played that role, to be honest. So even as the food and drink prices kind of skyrocket, we're all feeling that in our pocket at the moment, it still re remains a relatively affordable way, an affordable means of escapism for people. So, you know, we've written a lot at Mintel about, you know, those luxury um those luxury categories that do really well in a financial crisis, whether that be coffee or, you know, indulgent desserts or ready meals, for example, people are always going to splash out on things that make them feel good. Um, and I just think there is so much more that can be done in terms of embracing that behavior and not kind of othering it and making people feel like, you know, I'm doing something naughty. I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Actually, there's a lot to be said for embracing those consumers and, making the most of that moment of mindfulness and, and me time. 
It's nice as well because even in this conversation, that we've we've sort of very much had a whistle stop tour of some of the trends here. But it's really interesting to see how we have had concepts that are quite futuristic, it's quite out there. You have to kind of think a little bit further ahead. But then what you're talking about here as well is very much grounding it in. Well, this is this is something for the as you said, the next and the future, but something very much that we can connect with right now. It's something that really resonates um, with people right now. Now, I, I know at the start I said we were going to get through a couple of trends, and we've actually got through four, which is great. Um, I just wondered if, uh, just before we wrap up, if there's anything else that anyone wanted to discuss. I know that obviously we probably can't get through another four now, uh, but I just wondered if there's anything surprising or anything in particular that working on these 2023 trends that you wanted to highlight about the consumer, about their behavior and sort of any sort of uh, actions that we've seen around that. I'll open the floor for that. Just just a quick one for me. I just think we, we felt the, the weight of responsibility to have a really strong reality check sensor on these trends because of the the, the toughness of the situation out there for for the consumers um so yeah everything i think what was quite interesting is that each of the eight trends has an underlying theme of reassurance of something that consumers need right now reassurance being absolutely key and as ever empathy i think they're quite optimistic which is a good thing i mean it's you know tough it is tough out there but i think these trends are, show that ways in which food and drink can really be of benefit to life and that you know to help help improve improve the situation yeah um i'd say just bearing in mind real world conditions and what people are going through a lot of these trends they are things that can be achieved by repositioning something as opposed to new innovation at a time when we know um, brands and our clients are trying to cut back and work more efficiently and work what they have harder. It's about flagging up new benefits. It's about targeting new uh, eating occasions for many of these trends. So I think that's important. One thing that struck me too is just that importance of nutrition as something that gives consumers that value to know that you're getting the most out of the money that you're spending because it is going to be good for you. It also can bring fun, as we talked about with unguilty pleasures. Um, and then there's other trends that are really connected to this aspect of versatility, which again is getting the most from the money that you're spending. Um, and I think that's again something that is empathetic, it's resourceful, and it touches upon that reality to get consumers through what might be yet another tough year no really and it's, it's really interesting to to get your all four of your um sort of viewpoints on this as i say, i know we've only had a chance to sort of get through four trends but it's fascinating to see those four trends that we have discussed today so the worth of water looking at those sort of severe water emergencies uh, and how consumer attention is only going to continue to increase so that is something we need to be working on uh, the cosmic comforts comfort trend which i thought is fascinating because space isn't as whimsical gimmicky as we think i, I love that we could talk about it in a much more tangible uh, and relatable way um, we also had staying sharp of course uh, looking to help sort of design food and drink around or at least helping improve our mental performance whether at work or in our home lives and, and everything we do uh, and of course i love the, the fun element that we, we brought into the end that unguilty pleasures this idea of just enjoying food and drink for what it is um, I love that sort of sorry, not sorry attitude uh, that we can, we can sort of have with us. I really do appreciate uh, the talk on that. Of course, that's just four trends. There are four more trends um, that um, you have launched uh, and you've done just as much work on as well um, with the teams around the world uh, in all of our offices. Uh, but we haven't been able to get onto that today. Uh, unfortunately, that probably does it for our time today. Um, so if anyone does want to learn more about Mintel or in particular,
particular anything to do with the uh, 2023 uh, food and drink trends that we talked about today and indeed the ones we didn't talk about, um, you can head over to clients.mintel.com where you'll find out a bit more. And please uh, as well, uh, feel free to to reach out to us um, on social media or indeed uh, to uh, any sort of analysts uh, or uh, sort of account managers that you work with if you do want to find out a little bit more because we're always happy to talk. And the fact that we have quite happily filled this time with hopefully some very interesting insights on this uh, shows that I think it's a a real start. This is almost a conversation starter now. So I appreciate um, David, Alex, Jenny and Aisha. I really do appreciate all of your input um, for today. Hopefully it's been a bit of fun for you as well but that's kind of it for us for now so um thank you very much to everyone um goodbye um to all four of you uh, to continue your stellar work on these food and drink trends please if you're listening please continue to subscribe to little conversation wherever you get your podcasts um, but all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening and have a great day